0: So, our reading is from uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.
1: So, we're unpicking a bit of Colossians chapter 3 today. Um, But before I start, I just want to fill in why Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. He's writing to them because there was a problem that was concerning him. He'd heard that false teachers were trying to mix ideas from other philosophies and religions with Christianity. It might have seemed okay to the church, but it was eroding the supremacy of Jesus. He's reminding them that Jesus is supreme, and he alone provides Complete salvation. The sense of trying to hang on to Jewish ideas about food laws and festivals and circumcision are pointless when looking at Jesus. Because he has accomplished everything in dying for them and rising again. There is nothing more that needs to be done. Salvation is a free gift that requires a response It cannot be earned through rituals and rules. And he tells the Colossians not to fall for what these teachers are saying. So that's a bit of the background. And now in the um, passage we're looking at, chapter three, Paul is giving clear instructions as to how to live. And to me, when I first started feeling that this was what the Lord wanted me to speak on, there were three words that really struck me. And they're all very short. The first one is set. The second one is rid. And the third one is let, not yet. (laughs) Paul says that we need to set our hearts and minds on things above, not on earthly things. And the minute we yield to Jesus we've acknowledged his ownership and this involved involves obedience to him so in a nutshell stop being selfish and live a different way live not for ourselves but for Jesus and others base our lives on how Jesus lives lived put on his character i wonder what our hearts are set on this morning what we've carried in with us, what burdens we're carrying in our hearts, what fears, what excitement, what hope. Life seems to be in turmoil and change at the moment, doesn't it? But we can take comfort in the fact that everything but Jesus is subject to change. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. So let's train ourselves to set our minds on him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're told to bring every thought captive to obey Christ. And we need to train ourselves, don't we, to catch those thoughts when they start spiraling downwards and to look up to our faithful creator and sustainer of life. Although actually I was thinking when Adrian was reading just now, We're told that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. So spiritually we're seated. So we can look down on our problems and situations knowing that we are in Jesus. But he knows the end from the beginning. And he can be trusted to hold our future. So although we live in this physical earth, spiritually, our lives are safe in the hands of Jesus. Paul tells us, as I said just now, that we're seated with him. And when he returns, we will be with him. So that's set. Set our hearts. It's a bit like game, set and match, really, isn't it? Um, The next word is rid. The verb for rid is to make someone free. Isn't that what Jesus has done for each one of us? And as we bring our wrong reactions to him, he is the only one who can set us free. We're told in the passage to rid ourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy talk and not lie to each other. Can we honestly say, we never feel angry. We never slander others. In other words, we never say damaging things about others. And how about anger? I looked up anger and it said a strong feeling of being upset or annoyed because of something wrong or bad. The feeling makes someone want to hurt others. Or an emotion that can trigger anger, maybe fear, guilt, disappointment, hurt. And the only way to deal with that is to rid ourselves of it, to offload It onto Jesus. Paul tells us that we need to, that we're chosen and dearly loved, and we need to clothe ourselves with a different attitude to each other, to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and forgive whatever grievances we have against one another. In effect, we put on Jesus, don't we? He was moved with compassion and all the other qualities I've just listed. So we put on Jesus. I wonder, has anyone got an ought here? Anyone got an ought? Jesus said, if you have, I'm glad you're all shaking your heads, because Jesus said, if you have an ought, if you have ought against anyone, you are to forgive them. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. So we have to rid ourselves of wrong reactions and attitudes and allow God to change us. Um, and, And in this passage, maybe you've come this morning whether here or on Zoom, maybe you've come feeling you're a bit insignificant, but God's chosen you. You're here because God has placed you here for such a time as this. You're not a mistake. You're gifted with your own particular gift from God and he values you hugely wherever you are and whatever age you are. When Jesus taught on the parable of the wedding guests in Matthew 22, he speaks on what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he tells of a king who prepared a wedding feast and how people wouldn't come. So the servants were sent out to gather the people in. And in verse 11, the king arrives and looks at the guests and notices that one of them hadn't changed. Can you imagine going to a wedding in old clothes? We must change. We must believe that God has called us, chosen us, accept his love, allow him to change us. The reason I mentioned that uh, passage on Matthew is because one day we will join the wedding feast of Jesus. And we need to be changed from the inside out. And he is the only one who can do that as we allow him the freedom to change us. The love of Jesus is our overcoat, which Paul writes, binds everything together in perfect unity. Now, the final word that I want to focus on is let. Steve knows what I'm up to. Um, I don't know if consume, see that. I don't know, it doesn't matter. I just don't know if they see it because I'll explain it. So the word let, thanks, sorry. Uh, The word let got me thinking about the difference in buying a house or letting one. So I looked up what letting a house entailed. Some of you probably know, sure some of you know, actually. Sorry, Helena. (laughs) Um, And this is roughly what it said. To let is only used by the owner of the property. For example, the owner of a house may want to give the possession or use of it to somebody else for a fixed period. And that got me thinking, who are we letting occupy our hearts? Are we letting God occupy our hearts or are we letting the lies of the devil in? Before we moved here, we set our hearts on the house of our dreams. And as we worked towards moving, we had to get rid of a lot of baggage and stuff that had been sitting in cupboards for years. And that got me thinking. When we open doors and let wrong attitudes in, we need to reopen them, not just some of them, all of them and the windows too, to get rid of the useless stuff that's just clutter. And the Holy Spirit, and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and reveal those areas in our hearts that have been closed because perhaps we've been hurt or disappointed or angered. And as we allow the Holy Spirit room in our hearts, he's the only one who can come and sort those problems out and get rid of the stuff that we've built up, get rid of the baggage. Now, you will see I'm about to wipe these, everybody. Adrian, can you see anything on this paper? Oh, take the paper clip off. Okay. Can you see anything on this paper? (laughs) Not yet. Now, Adrian, as I said earlier, is such a good boy, the way he comes and sits through these services. So I thought I'd give him a bit to do today. So you come and sit on the floor. While I'm talking, you are going to color these bits of paper and you'll find what will happen. So, I'm going to start like this, okay? Let me see what's happening. All right, Do you do that all on these pieces of paper and I hope it works. And if you can't, if you want mummy to help, I'm sure she would. <laughs> Okay, so, so we've done set, rid, let, let. We need to, in this passage, we're told to let the peace of God rule or act as umpire in our hearts. I just wonder this morning, how is our peaceometer is your peaceometer here? 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 Why is it that one day we can feel so at peace and calm, and then some crisis happens, and within seconds, zoop, the peace goes? That must have been how the disciples felt when they were hiding behind the locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders. But what does Jesus do? He joins them in the locked room and says, peace be with you. He didn't wait for them to pull themselves together or to muster up faith. He stepped right into the room as their friend and stood alongside them. He is the Prince of Peace. And in Ephesians two verse 14, we read, Christ is our peace. We can ask Jesus, with all his forgiveness and compassion, to step right into our fears, our worries, and any anxious thoughts we've, we've got hidden behind doors. It's not showing very well, is it? Oh, okay. Might not on the other one. Anyway, um, so many times we think we've got to be strong, haven't, don't we? And we think we've got to present a confident front and we keep the door shut like the disciples because inside we're a gibbering wreck, we're fearful, we're hurt. But Jesus can see right into our hearts and he understands us totally and offers his hand without judgment or disapproval. With this coronavirus, we can easily lose peace and become fearful and downcast, can't we? Because life is so different. It's uncertain. But this is an opportunity for us to reach out to him for reassurance and peace. And the peace he gives, it's not a fluffy, floaty sort of peace, is it? It's a peace that can't be explained because it's beyond our understanding. Uh, Years ago, I experienced um, peace in a way, I can hardly, well, I can't explain it. It was, it was just a complete, I should have been a gibbering wreck, wreck because of the circumstance I was in. But there was this strength of, of peace, so much so I I was sort of thinking, but this isn't right. I can't feel, I don't feel afraid. And that is what God's peace is like. And I pray that each one of us will at some stage or regularly feel his peace. Don't be afraid. So let's let that peace rule in our hearts through these days. And let's also hold out that peace of God to others who are frightened of the effect the virus is having on their employment, on their livelihoods, on families, whether old or young. It's time for the church to step up and be reaching people. So finally, we need to let the word of God dwell in us, settle in us, I don't know, does anyone remember the slogan that went with the start of using the postcode? Uh Uh-uh. It was write it, quote it, use it. Write it, quote it, use it. (laughs) We need to write the word down. We need to quote it and then use it. The word of God is alive and powerful. It can be used to silence the enemy when he comes in to take away our peace, to steal our peace. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus has come to bring life in all its fullness. It can be used to encourage us. It is God's living word and it's his final authority. So to wind up for this week, let's set our hearts on heaven because ultimately that's where we're headed. Let's rid ourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language with no lying to each other. And let's let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Let it act as umpire in our hearts. And let's let his word dwell richly. And then when all that's in place, we can be thankful. And sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in our hearts, giving thanks to God our Father. Amen. Now, Adrian, do you think these grown ups are going to be able to read what's written here? Do you know what that is? Do you know what sound that picture's for? Good boy. What about that one? Those two work together to make one sound, don't Thanks. they? Good boy. And what about that one? Mm. They work together to make one sound as well. No, okay. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. You guys didn't think you'd get that one, actually. I think you're very good. Okay, so Adrian knows. Shall I show the camera? <laughs> Let's see how good you all are at reading. So Adrian knows the first two sounds, don't you? The first two sound pictures. peace, Peace. 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 Now you couldn't see those letters at first, could you? But peace was there written on them. We can't see peace, but it's here for us in the person of Jesus.